You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Studying Psalm 119. So you can open up your Bibles to Psalm 119. And yes, for those of you in the know, not the whole thing. Although it would be nice, it would be a great way to pad the stats on the sermon and just cut out, you know, 10 minutes of it. Um, this, this psalm that we're about to read here is uh, going to be a, a really long one. The reason why it's so long is because it's actually an acrostic poem. You've probably written one of these acrostic poems, haven't you? Has, have any of you done that where you write your name going down, each letter of your name going up and down? My name's James, so it would say like jolly, adventurous mesmerizing. <laughs> you, can see, you can see my creativity. My creativity is really sapped on that J. It's a tough one for us with J names. Um, yeah, it, so what it spells out is actually the Hebrew alphabet. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. In each section, uh, it starts with that letter, all right? So that's, that's why it's so long. So hopefully you turn on your Bible, open up your Bible, or grab one from the back, and I'm inviting Natalie to come up here and read Psalm 119. Specifically, we're going to be in verses 1 through 16. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, or that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, or that... Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man be kept his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word with my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. And in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. You're welcome. Yeah. It's awesome that uh, you big kids are here with us in big church. Thank you for joining us. You're a blessing, blessing to us all. Uh, Well, we're going to study Psalm 119, verses 1 through 16. I hope you'll uh, already accept the assignment of homework for the week, which is read the rest of the 20 uh, letters there. It might take you a little time, 15 minutes over the course of a week. Divide it up. You can do it. I believe in you. Um, But the psalm today, and what the whole psalm really conveys to us is that it's going to teach us to treasure the word. So that's the title uh, that I I wrote on my my notes here, treasure the word. That's what the message is today. That's what I would hope that you would come away with, treasuring the word. And the psalm is, it's kind of easy to understand on its surface level. Laws of God are good. The Bible is good. That's a really, like, nice surface level and true way to interpret 
this psalm. The commandments are good. The precepts, we should be studying them. But it's also, I think it, has, it carries a deeper meaning because to us, I think studying the law is kind of a strange concept. This is the 4th of July weekend, and I highly doubt, though some of you might be, but I highly doubt most of us are going home and reading the Constitution and like, oh, pouring over this. Yes, this is how we celebrate our, our freedom is by reading the laws or like, what is it, Roger's Rules of Law? Like, do people study that? Roger, Robert's Rules of Order? That was close. Um, we don't really study the laws too much. That's a strange concept for us, right? So, so we get it, but we also don't, I don't think, absorb it. There must be something deeper going on. Um, so I'll, I'll pray for us, and then we can start digging in. Um, Heavenly Father, I ask that you would speak through your scripture to each of us today, that it would be your Holy Spirit moving uh, the, the words from my lips to, to the ears here, and that the Holy Spirit, you would interpret and help people to uh, gather what it is that you're trying to convey to us this morning out of Psalm 119. May your name be made glorious in this place. May you increase, we decrease as we're here. Um, Heavenly Father, help us where we don't understand and be with us this morning. It's all of this is going to be to your glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so I have an outline. Um, th- this psalm makes sense to me in my brain, but uh, for those of you who don't have my brain, this is the way I've outlined it. Um, it, it those, some people like to take notes, and if you are that sort of person, you're welcome, I guess. Um, the the note-taking people, you'll see that what we're going to do is we're going to look first at the psalm. We're going to break it down into uh, four little sections, spending more time on some of them than others. And then after we're done reading the psalm here, seeing how we're going to walk in the Torah, we're going to praise him, we're going to treasure the law with our whole hearts, how we're going to delight in his word. Then we're going to see how this applies to our Savior, Jesus. We're going to connect this to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And then finally, we'll look at how to apply this to our lives. We'll look at how to apply this to our lives at the end. So this is the map. This is where we're going. Let's dig in. Uh, Verses 1 through 4 in Psalm 119. We'll put those on the screen. It says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. We'll just pause there already. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Now, the word blameless probably conveys to most of us perfection. You've got to be perfect without blame. That's what the word means. And so immediately, I think we should interpret this and, and think, oh, well, that, I'm, count me out. I'm not blameless. And I think that's true. Uh, this does convey perfection. But also the word blameless here is used in the Old Testament to refer to sacrificial like goats and sheep and calves and stuff, things that were acceptable to God. And to me, that, that helps as I was reading this, this verse, blessed are those whose way is acceptable to God. It is about perfection, but it's also about being like an acceptable sacrifice. And not to get too far ahead, but this is Jesus twofold, right? His, his way is blameless, but he's also an acceptable sacrifice. Um, but the end of the ver- of first one here says, who walk in the law of the Lord. What does it mean to walk in the law of the Lord? Walking in the law. Now, the word law, does anybody know the Hebrew word for law in here? I'm guessing there are some other Bible nerds out there. So the word Torah, Torah, the word Torah. You remember from social studies class, maybe? From social studies class, you learned like that the Torah is the Jewish scriptures, right? It's the first five books of our Bible. And if you're Jewish, your you know, Bible, your holy book is the Torah. Makes sense. So you walk in the Torah. Well, what does that mean? To walk in the Torah. What is the Torah? It's a book 
And I think a popular misconception about the Bible and about the Torah is that it's just a book of rules. Has anybody ever felt that or thought that? That the Bible, that's just a book of rules. The Torah, that's just a book of rules. But it's, it's not. If you open up the first page, you'll see it's a story. The Torah is, it certainly does have commands, but it has a story that it's trying to tell us. And in fact, the commandments are oftentimes a part of that story. So as we look at things like commanding precepts and walking in ways and keeping testimonies, it's all connected to the Torah. It's all connected to the Torah where we're going to walk in the story of the Torah as well as its commandments. Let me give you an example of how this plays out. It's kind of murky waters, but how do, how do the commandments and the story uh, work together? There's lots of examples, but one is probably the most famous set of commandments, the Ten Commandments. You've probably heard of those before. The Ten Commandments are given to Israel after God rescues them out of Egypt, and then uh, the first two commandments are to not have any other gods besides Yahweh and to not make idols. And that's given in Exodus 20. And this is part of a story, though. This is part of a story. We oftentimes know the commandments, but do you know what immediately happens after that? What immediately happens is the people of Israel are freaked out because God just spoke to them, and they are frightened, and they ask Moses to please go talk to God because I'm scared right now. That's what's happening in the story. So God takes Moses on the mountain, comes up with these plans for this temple, this tabernacle, that he can meet with the people. And then in chapter 32 of Exodus, this is when the people had the golden calf, the golden calf incident. They break the first two commandments. So the commandments are placed in this story of God trying to meet with his people. He gives them the commands. They're, they're scared. He, so God tries to meet with them on their own terms, and they fall away. So how, what does it mean to walk in the law of the Lord? Well, they didn't keep the commandments, but also they're following part of this broader story. We're following God's commands is difficult for us. It's difficult for humans. We keep being tempted to wander away. So walking in the Torah means more than just following the commands. It means we're going to seek him with our whole heart, as it says in verse 2. And it's going to be that our eyes are fixed on his commandments, as we see in verses 5 through 8. Let's go to verses 5 through 8 now. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, that I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. So what's the outcome? What's the outcome of having this life that we're walking in the commandments, we're walking through the story of the Torah, we know it. It's that we will praise you, or I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. And in keeping statutes, there's a, it says, do not utterly forsake me. Keeping statutes means not only following, but also holding and keeping, treasuring. It's, it's more, it is following the rules, but it's also understanding what they mean and treasuring them. Treasuring what the scriptures convey to us. So all of this is going to have us praise God, and the psalmist keeps the meditation going as we go into the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. We're going to go verses 9 through 12 now. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. So this, what this psalm is trying to convey to us here uh, in the first you know, few stanzas was that 
the word of the Lord is uh, going to help us. We're going to be blessed when we walk in that. We are going to keep the commandments diligently. We're going to praise him. And here we continue that. And it says this has practical implications for the way in which we live. The word is going to guard us. The word is going to guard us and protect us. But look at verse 10. It seems that our whole heart is necessary in order to keep from wandering. Our whole heart. What does that, what does that mean? To have our whole heart seeking God. I think we, get, we don't need to go very far. We can just go back to the story of, of Exodus. We're the people following God with their whole hearts when they receive those commandments. I think that's what the story is conveying. The answer is no. The answer is no. We find ourselves in this story. We find ourselves in the story. Do, do we, with our whole hearts, seek God? I mean, praise him that we, we can aspire to that. And in a little bit, you'll see how Jesus allows us to. But this is what's going to keep us from wandering from the commandments. Let's, let's actually look at the, this theme of the whole heart. In the prophet of Jeremiah, we're going to take a little bit of a, a detour to Jeremiah 31. There's this prophecy that in Jeremiah 31, 31, where he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That's, you know, the people of Israel, the people that were at the mountain. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. So this is going to be a new covenant, different than, different than the one that he made with them, for, with, where he's giving them these commandments. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law, will put my Torah within them. And I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So we don't need to just simply follow the laws. Notice it doesn't say in verse 33, I will make them follow the laws. No, it's I will put the laws within them. We need a heart surgeon to transplant our hearts because we want to wander. That's, that's the opposite of what it says in, in verse 10. With, with not our whole heart, we do wander. If we have our heart divided, we don't have the law written on our hearts, we wander. What Jeremiah is telling us is that God himself is making a covenant to do that heart transplant for us. So we're going to see how that gets, gets fulfilled in a little bit, a little cliffhanger. But uh, going back, going back to verse, uh, verses 9 through 12, verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart. So we're, we're store, not only is our, we get a new heart, we're storing it in there, just like the, the new covenant says, that I might not sin against you. Do other people have other translations than the word stored here? I guess, uh, does anybody have hidden in yours? A couple, maybe? Okay, I think the NIV has hidden. Um, others, uh, the NASB, I thought, maybe some others say treasured. And I actually think that is really a great translation of what's going on here in verse 11. I have stored your word in my heart, or I have treasured your word. Because uh, storing kind of seems like you're keeping it for yourself, but that's what treasuring would have meant in an ancient context. Just do a little bit of time travel with me. Imagine, you know, I get mad, I give you a a sack of gold with $50,000 worth of gold in it, and now you have to take care of it, and you're in the year, you know, 200 B.C. or whatever. What are you going to do with that? Take it to the credit union. No. (laughs) 
what do you do? Well, you have to keep it. You have to, this is kind of a, you're keeping, you're treasuring this word in the same way you're going to store it. You might hide it. You might, you know, take your bed, you know, sort of flip it up and dig a hole, and that's where you hide your treasure. You're aware where it is so that you can use that treasure on the day when you need it. That's what it would mean to store it up or to hide it. You're not hiding it just for yourself. Like, that's, that's uh, I think, how I can view storing things up. We're not hoarding. We're treasuring. We're treasuring the word in our heart. And I guess I have to ask the question, do we do this? Do we, do we treasure the word? Like we, we, we uh, store it up for a day when we do need it or when others might need it. If I give you this money, ideally, you're going to follow the commandments where we're, we're loving others, right? And so this, this treasure isn't just for you. It's for others. Let's look through verses 13 through 16. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So not only is the word something that we're going to treasure, but we're going to delight. We're going to delight in the rules Again, a strange concept for us. Who enjoys reading the rules of a board game? Except for, I know a couple people here who do, one of whom just raised his hand in the back, Chris. Thank you. Not a concept that most of us, but, but I, I think that's actually a good illustration. Like, it, it helps you if you know the rules, if you understand this. There's a, it's not just about the rules. It's about you know, something broader. We delight in as, as much as in all riches. It's going to cause us to delight in him. And this delight, as you see in verse 13, is going to allow us to declare it to other people. Do you have any friends who get really nerdy about like something, one of their hobbies, and they start sharing with you about it? They're very passionate about it, and it, it's kind of infectious. I don't know if you have any people like that. I have um, my, my friend Sam Shesman, um, who has since moved to Pennsylvania. He used to get really excited when we were studying something in Scripture that he really understood. And he would say, oh, man, the Bible's written by Jedis. And he, that was his, like, excitement level about this. Um, I don't think he, he didn't literally mean that, but he's trying to convey the wonder and, like, this is so cool. And it was infectious. That's what this delight, I think, is all about. It's going to cause us to declare, declare the word, declare the Torah, talk about the story, and delight in testimonies, testimonies. We're going to Look at that. How, what does that mean to have a testimony? So again, on the surface, this is a pretty easy psalm to get. Bible is good. The word is good. But it's also a deeper connection to the one who wrote it. It allows us, if we truly study the rules, the commandments, precepts, we, we walk in the story of the Torah, our way can be kept blameless. That's what it promises. But this brings up a tension, like a tension in the, in the story, uh, some, uh, a plot moment, plot twist here. Our whole hearts are needed. If we look back in, uh, in verse 2, we need to seek him with our whole heart. Verse 10, we need to seek him with our whole heart to not wander. And it says the commandments need to be kept diligently in verse 4. That we might not sin. There's, there's a, I hope you're, you're seeing there's a disconnect between these two things. If all of us are honest, we should be aware that we have not kept the word 
we have not kept the commandments truly with our whole hearts. I think all of us have divided hearts. We just went through the rhythm of confession earlier. We, like Israel, are unable to follow the Lord with our whole heart. So then what? Then what? what? Is there a way? Is there a way that we can have our hearts changed, perhaps? The answer is yes. I hope, you, I hope you'll not be surprised that the answer is yes, that our whole hearts can be changed. This is where our Savior, Jesus Christ, comes in. Because the story doesn't end with this psalm. The story continues in the New Testament. We believe that Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life according to the law. He lived, it under, he lived under the law and he fulfilled it. He actually says this. If we go to Matthew 5, from the mouth of Jesus, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus fulfills the law. He says, Do not think I have come to abolish it. So they're not going away, but he's coming to fulfill it. Fulfill them. He's fulfilling the law, fulfilling the commandments, but he's also fulfilling, remember we just talked about the law of the Lord is the laws, but also the story. He's fulfilling not just the laws, but the story of Scripture as well, so that we can find the, the pinnacle of the biblical story reaches its, its you know, at, at its moment with Jesus and his life and his death and resurrection. And in, in Psalm 119, if, we, if you take a peek back, in verse 9, it says the word is going to protect us. In verse 11, it's saying we're going to store up or hide or treasure the word in our hearts. And in verse 16, the very end of this psalm says we won't forget the word. Some of you know where I'm going with this. You know that what, in the Gospel of John, what John 1 tells us. In the Gospel of John, John 1, verses 14 through 16, I believe we'll have this on the, on the slide, um, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word being Jesus. So John is connecting Jesus to the word. So what does it mean for us to treasure the word? Well, John, he, he says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So we're going to see with the word, the word becomes flesh, Jesus becomes, you know, he's born, he, he's living out his life, fulfilling the law. What it says in verse 16, or John 1, it says, for from his fullness, for, from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. Let me connect the dots for you here. In, in Matthew 5, Jesus fulfills the Torah. He fulfills the law, he fulfills the story of the Torah. And, it, and in John 1, if Jesus is the word, it says from his fullness, so from his fulfillness, we have all received grace upon grace. Picture, picture the law as being fulfilled and it overflowing, and that's grace upon grace for us. So this is the freedom offered by Jesus. His heart was pure, like the young man in verse 9. Jesus did walk in in his ways and walked in the Lord's ways throughout his life. Like it says in Psalm 119. And even in 
Jeremiah 31, where we have a heart transplant. Jesus did have that. He taught the scriptures. He loved them. And now we need to think about what would it mean if we were to take it seriously that it says, I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. How do we treasure the word? For us to treasure the word, that means that we need to accept that Jesus is the word and that he fulfills the law. So that's, that's, our, that, that's what this all is pointing to. Psalm 119 is about the word and the word became flesh. And by his, by his fullness, we've received grace upon grace. So what do we do? What do we do today? Today's uh, July 3rd. So what are we supposed to do when we leave this place? Like, we are supposed to treasure the word. And I think one way in which we need to do that, as we look at application, so as we turn towards application, we're going to do a few things. First of all, uh, for first application point, I want us to live by the law of Christ. To live by the law of Christ. Jeremiah addresses this new covenant that we, we can now receive. So in light of the death and resurrection of the, and the sacrifice of Jesus' perfect life, the good news is that all of us who accept that, who accept that heart transplant, have, are under that new covenant. And the New Testament is full of books, epistles that you know, Paul and others wrote that address the law. And specifically in Galatians, and at the end of Galatians, Galatians 5 through uh, 5.22 through the first couple verses of chapter 6, we are going to see that, that Paul is writing to the Galatian church about this, this living under this new law. And us who are united with Christ are going to have the Spirit as a guarantee for our heart change. This is uh, something that's spelled out through uh, Old Testament as well. Like the, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel addresses that the Holy Spirit is representative of our, our heart change. So let's see what he says. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, our guarantee of inheritance, of our heart change, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So you see there's a, a juxtaposition between works of the flesh and works of the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Brothers and sisters, sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, you who had that heart transplant, should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And here's, just, it's just so lovely at the end. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we live in an age where Jesus is going to come again. He did come. He, he's, uh, by the Holy Spirit uh, that is in our hearts, given us a new heart transplant, we can live under this new covenant and fulfill the law of Christ with one another. And you can see that when we display the fruits of the Spirit and not the fruits of the flesh. The fact that Jesus fulfills this doesn't mean that there isn't still sin, as you see in the first two verses of, of chapter 6. There still is sin, but there is a new covenant, and we trust in Jesus to continually write the law on our hearts, and that the story and the commandments will be in us. This means we can live by the Spirit and be under the law of Christ. So this is our first application point. You have freedom in the gospel message today that this is for you. You can have that heart transplant. You, all you need to do is accept the sacrifice of Christ.
That's probably not a concrete enough application point for many of you, though, and that's okay. <laughs> what do I do then? Well, first of all, we need to live by the law of Christ. And then secondly, I think we need to start treasuring the scriptures. So we need to start treasuring his word. And that, mean, that can mean a few things. All right, here's our application. Live by the law of Christ. Treasure the word. Treasure the word can mean a number of things. I thought of a few examples. Um, you probably have examples you can think of and do as well. Uh, one is memorization. Memorization is, isn't just... Memorizing scripture on its own is good, but just for itself doesn't really serve a, a purpose. Uh, we, we, I, actually, there's a summer study on engrafting scripture, which is more than just memorization, as I chatted with Linda about. It is, is more than just like being able to recite it. It's about in allowing it to shape your life. I, w- I won't say any more about it. No spoilers. You should attend Linda's summer study in August. But keep in mind that if we take uh, Psalm 119 seriously, that we're going to treasure the word, remember that when you hide that treasure underneath your bed, that treasure isn't just for you, it's for others too for others too. We're meant to take encouragement from others who have treasured scripture. For example, I think I'm going to feel encouraged right now, I hope. Um, I want to see how many kids in here know Psalm 119-103. How, how, just say it, how, How sweet are your words to my lips, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Good job, Sammy. And good job, all the rest of you who knew it as well. <laughs> this is encur- Thank you. That's encouraging. Yeah, good. You got to give your dad a high five on that one. That's amazing. And you know what, kids? There's, you know, lots of memory verses for, this, for the summer. Keep going with that program. Now, if you're a big kid, um, maybe you can memorize those verses. Talk to Jackie and I. Maybe we'll buy you a large blizzard, too. Um, so how do you do this? How do you memorize scripture? Uh, just getting really, really practical. There's a lot of ways of doing this. Not everybody learns the same. Uh, I, I do education for my full-time work, and nobody learns the same. Some people are going to benefit from note cards. Some th- people are going to benefit from just time after time after time and taking a lot of time to do it. Um, I use an app called Verses that my friend Jesse told me about that uh, is like a little game, and the circle fills up when I get the verse right, so I feel, I feel good. Um, I, if you don't have anywhere to start, start with verses 14 through 15 in Psalm 119. In the ways of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I'll meditate on your precepts, precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. The other ways that we can treasure scripture is not just memorization. We can study the big picture. The, uh, the big picture of scripture allows you to see some of those connections like I, I drew from uh, the Exodus story. I think it's going to be difficult to memorize all 12 of those chapters between 20 and 32. So how do we study the big picture? Um, it's, I don't know, there's a lot of different ways to do this. Use a study Bible. I have one. I, I think that was one of the best purchases I've ever made. If reading is, is tough for you, like you get lost, you, you try and you get like false starts, maybe watch uh, Bible Project has some great videos that you can watch prior to reading a book like Nehemiah. I mean, who knows what the structure of Nehemiah is off the top of their head? Probably some of you, but I don't. So I watch one of those videos to help me get into it. You can also take Thrive. Thrive has modules that cover the, the story, the big picture story of the Bible. And then I think to be with others. Ask each other. A, a lot of us are really, a lot of you, I should be very specific, a lot of you are great encouragements to me uh, because you've spoken scripture into my life. 
And I think that's something we should normalize here. We should be asking each other what we're reading. That should be a normal question for us in your small group or even just out there. Feel free to be bold today and ask somebody, what did you read out of the Bible this week? My friends Ty and Jess, they are really great at asking the question, uh, what's God been doing in your life? They just ask that all the time. And in fact, whenever I know I'm going to meet with them, I kind of prepare an answer in my head. (laughs) And so if we were normalizing asking, what are you reading? I think we might prepare an answer and know what to say. And then finally, the the last way to, I think, apply this is, uh, there's many ways to apply this. One way in which I've started to apply this is treasuring his testimony. Verse 14 says that in the way of your testimonies, we delight as much as in all riches. The Torah, remember, is laws, but it's also stories. But stories on their own carry only so much value. I actually was chatting with my friend Paul about this. Paul was sharing with me about a story in his life and how God, like, saw him through something. And I said, wow, thank you for sharing your story. And Paul, I think, I don't know if he corrected me or just clarified for me. He said, you know, this is not just a story. This isn't just something that happened. It's a, we decided the word was testimony. This is a testimony of what God has done to see me through these trials. So when we know each other's stories, when we know the story of Scripture, we're able to connect it and and have it be a proof of a testimony to, to look back on. And what this looks like is perhaps different for all of us, but I would recommend that you record your own testimonies in some way, shape, or form. Know your testimony. Share it with each other. I legitimately have a spreadsheet where I track what answered prayers from God. It's probably the nerdiest way to do it, but it works. It works for me to look, to look back on that. And it's important for us to be able to look back on that. I actually, in preparation for this sermon, um, this is July 4th weekend, eight years ago was my first week visiting Divine Church. And, it, and I, I looked at my notes from that week that I'd taken, and we were reading out of Acts. We were studying out of Acts, and I, I was looking at my notes, and you know what was being preached that week was the gospel. And, just, and the Lord has kept me for, t- for eight years, learning the gospel week in and week out. And from all of you, you've, you've encouraged me over the last eight years, and Lord willing, another 80 years, or I don't know however long. So it's not just the, the story that, yeah, I've been here eight years. It's a testimony of, of what God's been doing. So reflect on your own testimony. Do you know the testimony of the people that are in your city group? Does, the, can you treasure that? Um, and maybe it's, maybe it's as simple as writing down a testimony and thinking about it, uh, there is a Old Testament, um, there's an Old Testament story in 1 Samuel 7. As you're thinking about treasuring testimony, in 1 Samuel 7, there was a, a stone of remembrance that was erected. It was uh, something that was, met, uh, was built to commemorate a battle so that Israel would remember what God had done. That thing is called an Ebenezer, or an Ebenezer, and we're about to sing Come now, fount, and the word Ebenezer's in there. We're not talking about Scrooge. We're talking about this stone of remembrance, this testimony. This testimony could be true in your life. Have you begun living through the law of Christ? If not, today's the day. This can be the first day of your testimony. Not just your story, but the first day of your testimony. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would... Um, Help us to 
treasure your word, whatever that means for us, that we would meditate on your precepts, that we wouldn't forget your word, that we would walk in your ways, that the the Torah would be a, a story which we are aware leads to you, that Jesus, you are the... You are the turning point of that story. You lived a perfect life. You died and rose out of, uh, and out of the fullness in which you fulfilled the law. You are giving us grace upon grace. It's through you, your entry into the story that we can now experience a new heart through the Holy Spirit having us to walk in the law of Christ. God, thank you for your word today. May we treasure your word and may we value your testimonies more than all riches. Amen.